manhood, fatherhood, protector, provider, promise keeper, procreator. We are fathers. We are dads. We are men. We are somebody's child. Hopefully someday be a good husband and father to somebody. The reason for this podcast is because it really is not a textbook that tells you how to be a good father. So through discovery and you know, me sharing my own testimony of what happened to me raising my four kids, hopefully it will help somebody become a better father. My youngest, call her baby girl was very, very different in this stage, this preschooler stage. We've gone through the toddler stage. People talk about the terrible twos and everything else and think that it's very, very troubling. This preschooler age can be a lot of fun, can be very, very easy. Children are sponges at this point. They're easy. They're growing. They want your attention. Early on, we talked about going from a hero to a zero. This is where you as a dad are a hero. You come home, they come running up to you, want to put their arms around you. They just want your attention. Please don't blow them off. Give them all the attention they need. And then they will mimic you. They will follow everything you do. Mind you, they'll follow the good and the bad. So if you fussing and cussing in front of them, <laughs> expect some four-letter words to come out of their mouths, okay? Because it it will happen that way. The I, Let me talk about the kids first, and then I'll go back and, and talk about the structure and everything else. So my baby girl, she was the fourth child. I, once you get to the you know fourth child, you're like, okay, I know how to do this. Uh, the other three did this. This one will follow the same pattern. Wrong. <laughs> totally, totally wrong. She did not follow that pattern at all. She was her own individual through the terrible twos. And when we got to this preschooler age, she was. I always see she I always think she's different and I always blame it on her being left handed. That may or may not be the reason, but I know she processes things differently than I do. And then the other three do. She is very, very artistic, just unbelievably talented when it comes to to art. She has a very strong administrative skills and everything. Uh, she started her own business when she was nine. She got an iPhone. I gave her an iPhone for Christmas when uh, she was nine years old. And the first thing she did in that iPhone was she wrote a business plan for a cookie business. And she started that cookie business. And I was her first employee. Mind you, I still have not gotten paid. You owe me some money, young lady. But she's always been that very artistic person. And she processes things very, very differently. And it took me some time to get used to it. The... The temptation is to force her or your child into a mold that they don't fit into. Basically taking a square peg and putting it in a round hole and just forcing it in there. You don't want to do that with, at this age with your children. Allow them to grow, to develop, to basically show you who they are and what they want to be. Now, my oldest two are 35 and 33. I can see 
who they are, what they do in them that started at this age here, between three and five years old. I could pull out things that they started doing then that made them who they are today. So this is a very, very vital age. You know, they always talk about bend the tree while it's green. This is the time that is green. I think parenting gets harder as the kids get older from this point. This might be a real sweet spot. They come out of the terrible twos. They are, they can communicate, tell you what they like, what they don't like, uh, and, and everything else, which is wonderful. Uh, unlike in the twos, they really can't communicate. Uh, you know, in those terrible twos, they can't communicate that well. And and you can see them discover and they ask questions. Why, 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 why? Always asking questions. And you see how they kind of get channeled into things. She started doing art things. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm an engineer. Okay. Very technical. Um, you know, one and one is two, always two. All right. Two and two is four. I always say two and two is four because you add it together, it's four. You multiply two and two is four. Two and two is always four. I like that. I like the <laughs> the objectivity of it. She likes subjective things. She likes um, to color outside of the lines and do her own thing, pick out her own clothes when she was very young. And that was always uh, she and her mother, my late wife, were always butting heads about clothes. Mom wanted to dress her the way she wanted her to dress her. Girlfriend wanted to dress the way she wanted to dress. Mm. Clash. The thing to do at that point was to let her be who she was, who she is, and how she wanted to do it. So you you have to look at your child. And I know with my oldest, I think he started showing an interest in computers very young. But we channeled him into sports, which may have been a mistake. But now that he is an adult, he actually builds computers for fun. <laughs> not even his job has not, his job has nothing to do with. It. He's an engineer like myself. His job has nothing to do with it. But I could see that in that three to five year old age, he just kind of gravitated, you know, to anything that had to do with computing and and. This is 35 years ago, so it's we might we didn't have smartphones and stuff like that and tablets and all of that stuff then. But you could see he was gravitating towards computers even then. So you could see things developing in him. So my my baby girl still is 20 years old. She hasn't really developed into who she is going to be. So I don't want to talk too much about what she did from three to five, because my, my kids do listen to the podcast and they keep me in line and everything else. Some of the things I talk about, they're uncomfortable with. So be it. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. But what was different also about baby girl is that she was the only one of the three that did not go to Montessori school. Right. If you don't know about Montessori school, Google Montessori school. It's a different way of learning uh, for preschool or some of the rules and stuff that they have. Teacher never raised her voice. She has a room full of three to five year olds. Never raised her voice. Always talked in a whisper. And the louder the room got, the softer she spoke until everybody could hear. Everybody would just stop so that they could hear her. Because she just was not raising her voice. The other thing about Montessori school was, and I can't talk that low the whole time. 
Other thing about Montessori school is they let you do whatever you felt like pursuing that particular day. So my oldest, he loved math. He didn't care too much about reading. By the time he was four or five years old, he was doing math at a fourth or fifth grade level. We had to tell them, listen, he needs to work on his reading because he's going to be going to school next year. He will not be going to Montessori. Montessori is very expensive. Google it. He will not be going to school here next year. He'll be going to first grade. So be it. So they let you pursue what you really, really like. He loves, loves math. He's, he's an engineer like his dad. So he, he loves, loves math. He loves, loves science. Very, very technically um, oriented. But I could see that in him in that three to five year, that preschool age. Now, the funny thing about the middle two, um, they both had late birthdays. Going to Montessori school, you found yourself learning at a quicker level. So my oldest son, he was the, he was the first one, late birthday. We pushed to get him into the first grade as opposed to going to kindergarten so that he's basically one of the younger kids in his class. Uh, later on, <laughs> when he got to eighth grade, now this first grade, when he got to eighth grade, we actually held him back and he did eighth grade twice because he was an athlete. He played Division One basketball at uh, unbelievably, unbelievably prestigious school out on the West Coast. Um, so we held him back so that he had a year to grow stronger physically in that three to five, three to five year old old range. Now, my daughter, who's 10 years younger than him, we're like, oh, (laughs) we did that with him. We're going to do it with her. Um, But we, we, what we said was with her, because we pushed him forward and ended up holding him back with the girl. I said, I'd rather her be back a year, be one of the older people in the grade than the younger people in the grade. And then she'd be able to better defend herself and uh, stick up for herself. Not that she had to fight or anything, but be able to speak up for herself. Turned out that might have been a mistake, too. She was always very, very mature for her years. When she was in high school, 10th grade, she's hanging out with seniors. 11th grade, she's hanging out with freshmen in college and so forth and so on. And then when she got to be a senior, she didn't deal with anybody in high school because she was just much, much more mature with them. So you you can't follow the pattern that was set by the previous child. You need to take your cues from that child. Who are they? What do they want to do? How do you go about doing it? And as a parent, we want to get in the way. We want to say, you know what? My son's going to be a football player. Your son might not grow to be six foot three, 225 pounds to be a football player. Let him find his way. I remember, I think my, it might've been around five. They let him play soccer. They couldn't play baseball. I played baseball when I was in high school and everything all, you know, from time I was in little league and everything else. I wanted my kids to play baseball. When they got old enough to play baseball, I coached their team and everything else. They hated it. They loved soccer. I wasn't crazy about soccer. 
but I learned to be crazy about soccer because that's what they wanted to do. My girls, they played lacrosse. I don't know. I, <laughs> at the time, I knew nothing, zero zilch, nada about lacrosse, but I followed their lead develop them to who they wanted to be when they started to show an interest in different things. And as a parent, we have to kind of sit back, look, see what they're doing. That don't mean give them free reign to do whatever they do. Yes, they need structure. They need a bedtime. They need to wake up at a certain time. They need to eat at a certain time. Um, They need to read. They need to do some structural things uh, in life so that they do have that structure. But what they do in between time and how they go about it should be left up to them and not always up to us. Um, Again, putting that square peg in a round hole, we want to create a custom receptacle for a unique individual to fit into. Hand in glove. That's what we want for our children. And if we're constantly shaping and molding based upon our own experiences, they never get to express truly and really who they are. And then they find themselves at an older age acting out and you know trying to find themselves, develop themselves, because, you know, as a parent, we never allowed them to really seek their true self and who they are and teach them how to listen to that inner man, that inner voice within them to find out what satisfies them and really, really makes them happy. So we have to mold them and shape them, give them that structure, but not so much structure that it stifles them. I always say that I tried always not to tell my kids no, especially as they got older when they wanted to do something, tried not to tell them no. We would talk about them, talk about the challenges, uh, talk about the cost, the resources that would have to go in it, the discipline that they would have to have to accomplish what they wanted. And then they would make a decision whether they wanted to pursue it or not. Wonderful. Also, once they started something, even at those young ages, would not allow them to quit. They had to follow it through. You start playing soccer, the season is you know eight games, ten games, whatever it is, you go in all ten games. You don't want your child to learn how to quit. Now, there's some situations you know that might be abusive or whatever. You might pull them out of that. that that's okay. But you don't want them to quit. You want to see a situation that you need to pull them out of, but you don't want them to quit because they're tired or they don't want to. That's not a good precedent to set with them, especially at this age. And they are full of energy and want to do do things at this age. So don't don't allow them to quit. You know, this is they're truly, truly are are sponges at this age easy to grow. I watch my, my oldest son, uh, his nephew uh, lives with him. Who's just turned five, not too long ago. And um, my son, he, you know, he comes home, he gets on his laptop computer and his nephew will go get his tablet, sit right next to him 
and start doing stuff on there. He hears my son laugh at, you know, something on television or something. He starts laughing. He don't even know what he's laughing at, but he will laugh too. You know, so you, you, it's, it's a great, great age to see those things. And, uh, and my middle two are both, they're great readers. They, they're great at, um, comprehending what they read, using the information and managing other people in situation. They are very, very strong leaders. Both of them. I, <laughs> My my third child, my daughter, she just started on a job not even six months ago. She has people coming to her asking what to do. She only been on the job six months. People coming to her asking what to do. She she is a very, very strong leader. I could see that in her and in him. I won't I won't tell you what he does. I mean I, I wanna brag. <laughs> But I'm not going to, okay? It, my kids tell me, Dad, you talk too much. Don't say, I'm not going to brag, okay? But I'm, I'm going to leave leave that alone. Very, very strong leaders. And you could see that in them at this age. And what they did at the Montessori school was they started reading a lot. They came home from school and reading. And I remember my son, I saw him sitting on the, laying on the bed with his leg crossed and a book in his lap reading and I'm like he can't read he don't know what he's looking at so me I took the (laughs) I took the book and turned it upside down and put it back in his hand thinking oh he don't know what he's doing he turned that book right side up and kept on reading through that book and my daughter same way she just reads 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 very 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 good writers very artistic in in their own right as well Again, I am not an artist, so that's nothing that I could have developed in them, but I had to be able to leave them alone to de- for them to develop it and then learn about them. I'm going to end with this. My youngest uh, and my second son are both introverts. I didn't realize that with, with my second son. He was just, I thought he was just quiet. Introverts. My youngest is an introvert and um friend of mine, she was an introvert. And in dealing with her taught me how to deal with my daughter, which taught me how to better deal with with my son. And that dynamic, being artistic, being introverted, processing things a little bit differently, made her very different than I am. And I had to give her space to be herself. I had to learn how to fit in that space. Mind you, I'm talking about fitting in her space, not making her fit in my space. And as a parent, you almost have to coach them to be who they are innately and not change them into who you want them to be or who you're comfortable with. And that's what happens at this this age, this preschool age. And it can be very, very easy when you realize that that's what you're doing and that's what you want to do. It can become very, very difficult when you start trying to shave off the corners of that square peg to get it to fit in that round hole. You're going to have to take a hammer or something else to try and finally get it in there. You will raise 
healthy children if you learn to navigate around who they are and what they are going to become and help them develop into that. Maybe something that you're not comfortable with. My kids tell me about their lives and what they do. I have no experience with it, but I'm, I'm anxious and eager always to hear about it. As adults, that's where they are. At three to five, they can't really explain that to you. You almost have to observe and watch. See what gets them excited. See what, what drives them, what puts a smile on their face. What will they sit down and do for hours on end without being prompted in any way, shape, or form? Listen, this is episode number 10 of the Manhood Podcast. I just want to thank you all for listening. Um, we're going into the, the new year, 2023, and I will be bringing you a lot of new content as we go through. Follow us on YouTube, um, Apple Podcast, um, um, all kinds of podcasts. Just listen, all right? It's it's good stuff, and you're good fan. Please feel free. Go to my my Facebook page, my Instagram page, uh, inbox me. They say men don't like to talk about their feelings. Don't like to talk about personal stuff. We need to get over that. We need to get to a place where we're having discussions about our kids and about raising our kids, about being fathers, things that we don't know, things that we want more information about so that we can be better parents to those kids, that we can raise healthy kids um, and that we can be healthy because sometimes we're not healthy and we put that on our kids. Talk about it. Be about it. Thank you. God bless.